Well, hello and welcome to this Saturday edition of our Advent podcast, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. And today is part two of the serialization of our short story for Advent. Chapter four, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Bonsoir, monsieur, Mathieu said politely. Bonsoir, Mathieu, replied the older man. If he had a certain sprightliness in the way he walked, so he did in the way he talked, and Mathieu's evident respect was matched by Monsieur Roulet's evident affection for the young man in front of him. This is Monsieur, uh, Monsieur... Mathieu's voice tailed off as he realised that while the Englishman in front of him knew his name, he did not know his. Monsieur Harrison, I think, am I not correct, Monsieur? said the little Swiss chicken of a man. Mind you, now that David could see his lined, ridged, weather-beaten face, David thought he looked less like a chicken and more like the mountain scenery amongst which he guessed he had spent his entire life. That's correct, David Harrison, and Mathieu has told me that you are Monsieur Roulet. Indeed I am, Monsieur, and it is a pleasure to meet the nephew of a dear friend, extending his hand as he said it. David took it. The old man's grip was firm and lasted just that second or two longer than David was comfortable with as Roulet looked steadily at him. It is indeed a pleasure to meet her nephew. David released his grip and said, my crazy aunt, was she as mad up here as she was when she would visit us? Monsieur Harrison, began Roulet, I was just a young man when I first met your aunt, when she first came to our village. She was a remarkable lady. He paused. I became very fond of your aunt. But then I was not the only one. He paused again longer this time, and Mathieu broke the silence. Monsieur Roulet, if you do not mind, I will leave Monsieur Harrison with you and go home. Of course, Mathieu, of course you can go. David Harrison extended his hand once more to Mathieu. Thank you, Mathieu. I very much appreciate your welcome and help. He glanced to his left where Janie and Emily stood a little distance away. It was a pleasure, Monsieur. I hope you enjoy your stay with us. David watched the young man as he turned and walked to a small group of young people standing against the low wall watching them. They were the only other people there. Under the lamplight, he reckoned there were two other boys about Mathieu's age and three girls. As Mathieu reached them, they appeared to exchange a few words and he could see Mathieu turn and smile. Some of them seemed to laugh. Well, even if the joke was at their expense, David was glad that there were some young people Emily's age here. And while he recognised it could just be wishful thinking, the gang of six against the wall seemed different, less threatening than the gangs who made the bus depot back home their headquarters. Roulet grasped his arm. Come, Monsieur Harrison, please introduce me to your wife and daughter. They look like they are beginning to shiver standing here in the cold. Chapter 5. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The village was something the likes of which none of the Harrisons had ever seen. Not that they could see much in the dark. The narrow streets, some going up, some slightly downhill, tightly packed dark wooden houses on each side, the glow of light coming from windows and snow lining the sides of streets. 
It seems you knew my aunt well, Monsieur Roulet, David said, to make conversation as much as anything. I hope I did, Monsieur Arisson. I would go so far as to say that I loved her. He paused, then continued, but I was not the only one. Really, said David, I can't imagine my aunt as a serial romantic. Roulet's pace slowed as if he thought about stopping. He didn't. I loved your aunt more or less from the time we first met, not long after she arrived. It was my intention to tell her so. But before I told her, I told my friend, my best friend, Jean Daniel. But it seemed he felt the same, and being less shy than me, he was provoked by my admission to move first. He did, and your aunt accepted him. Oh, said David awkwardly. I cannot say that things were ever the same between us again, between myself and Jean, that is. But neither were they between your aunt and me. Funny, I had no idea she was ever married, David said. I thought she was a lifelong, what's the word? Spinster. I do not know the word, replied Roulet, but she never married. Jean was killed in an avalanche the year they were due to marry. Your aunt grieved for him as if they were married, and it never seemed right to me to seek out her heart again. It would have felt as if I was treading in dead men's shoes, so to speak. But enough of such talk. Here we are. That chalet on the left is your aunt's, or should I say, is yours. I turned the lights on before your arrival and the wood-burning stove is lit. I trust it will be warm and, how do you say, snug. They stood outside, looking up at the dark wood facade with the yellow of the lamps shining through the windows. What do those words mean? asked Janie, gesticulating at the golden lettering written across the facade. It says, replied Roulet, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. He looked at each of them, and each of them looked none the wiser. Monsieur Roulet guessed correctly that the words meant nothing to them. You don't know the significance of those words, do you? Uh, no, sorry, replied David. Is it to do with the street lighting? I notice walking up here it's a bit, well, minimalistic. They're into that back home. It's to do with insects or birds or something. Monsieur Roulet looked at him before saying, it has always been of interest to me how different family can be. I think it was that inscription that sold the house to your aunt. There was a longer than comfortable pause. Come, I will show you around. They moved from room to room as Roulet opened doors, ushered them through them before disappearing to the next. If she had wanted to say anything, which she didn't, Emily would have said that every footstep creaked, which it did. 
The house, the floorboards, the wooden stairs, the walls felt alive as if the house had a voice and talked as you walked through it. As they stood around the front door with Roulet bidding them good night, he said somewhat offhandedly and while motioning to the darkness, I know you cannot see it now, it's dark and the clouds are up, but tomorrow, if the weather forecast is correct, you will see the view. It is perhaps what also sold it to your aunt. Thank you, Monsieur Roulet. You've been very kind, said Janie, in that voice that, if you knew it, would tell you just how tired she felt. He turned to go, hesitated, turned back and said, you will, of course, join us tomorrow evening for the first of our Advent celebrations. Uh, I don't think we know much about Advent, Monsieur Roulet. We only know that we had to be here by tomorrow if we wanted the chalet to be ours, David said. I see. Well, we gather each evening of Advent in a different home. Other villages do it differently, but we all call it Fenetre de Lavant. Each home becomes like the window on an Advent calendar. They put up the number of the day, tomorrow it will be number one, obviously, and they picture like an advent window, and anyone who wants to come, can. Generally, people tend to drink a glass of wine together. You'll discover people do that a lot around here, and have a little something to eat. But here, in our village, we do things a little differently. Of course, there is still the wine, and the food, especially the cheese, I would be happy to recommend some to you. But still, things are different here. If I am not mistaken, I think it was your aunt who first suggested it. But that was many years ago. We gather, young and old, and we read a short passage from the prophets. And then we think, and after that we drink. You would be very welcome. The prophets... David was a little worried that his voice sounded more mocking than he meant it. That sounds like a Welsh boy band. I refer, Monsieur Arison, to the prophets in the Bible. They foretold the coming, the advent of the Messiah. Just a phrase or two. We don't string it out. We're not religious in that sense. Monsieur Roulet, thank you, but we probably won't. David said as he glanced at his wife and daughter, who, like him, did not look overexcited at the prospect. We're not much into religion. I, I know my aunt was, but as you say, families can be different. Monsieur Roulet looked at him long enough to make David feel just a little uncomfortable. But if you will forgive me for saying, Monsieur Arisson, the fact that you do not know the inscription above the door tells me that your objection may be based, how can I say this, more on ignorance than on knowledge? Besides, this is a small village, and your aunt meant much to us, and we would consider it an honour if a nephew and his family would take her place. Let me think about it, Monsieur Roulet. I, we genuinely appreciate the invitation and your kind welcome, but I'll need to decide if... David Harrison's voice trailed off as he glanced at his daughter. 
Monsieur Roulet saw the glance and spoke into the silence that followed. You know, your aunt was a most remarkable woman. She had a grace and a dignity all of her own. Even age and sickness did not dim it. She was, as I say, remarkable, remarkable and strong and independent, but in a very generous way. If you will excuse an old man, Emily, I see something of her in you. Emily's head jerked up and caught his gaze. David was momentarily stunned, fearful even. He was sure that Monsieur Roulet had meant that as a compliment, but would Emily see it that way? When was the last time anyone had paid a compliment to Emily? Well, I must leave you to unpack and settle in. And remember, you will be very welcome tomorrow evening. If you decide to come, just follow the voices. You won't miss us all. It will be at Dr. and Madame Weber's home. And now, as they say, let Advent begin. He turned, raised his hand in goodbye without turning his head, and disappeared up the road into the minimalistic light of the street lamps. Chapter Six For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. In that in-between world of semi-consciousness, it was the tolling of the bells of the village church that Emily first became aware of. She would not, it is true, have been able to distinguish them from the cowbells that made up the continual jangling background, but the church bells it was. As she slowly opened one eye and took in the wood and the white of the walls and ceiling, it all came flooding back. Switzerland, a great aunt, cold, dark. Except it was no longer dark. There was light coming through one of the shutters of her window. Not much, just a single flat beam through one of the slats. She reached for her phone. It was as she feared, like last night, no reception. The house was quiet. She slowly swung her legs out of bed and let the floorboards take her weight. She hoped they wouldn't creak like last night. They did. Every step she took toward the windows announced itself to the world, however gingerly she trod. She turned the latch, pulled the windows open and then with both hands pushed open the shutters. It is difficult to say exactly what it was that did it, but she was momentarily stunned. Even she, who had for so many months practiced the art of appearing not to care, felt what someone else might have described as awe. The air, colder and fresher than she had ever breathed, might have been enough on its own to do it. Her bedroom flooding with light might also have been sufficient to do it. But those two, combined with the view that met her, most certainly did it. A sky clearer blue than she could have imagined possible, if that is the education she had received to date had ever encouraged her to imagine. Trees dark green and golden, rock and mountain reaching up, seeming to encircle the village, white snow capping their peaks. Even if she had wanted to, she would have had no words to describe what she was seeing or feeling. 
And what she was feeling just for a moment was a sense of lightness. And yet at the same time, a sense of weight, as if the whole scene before her pressed down on her while simultaneously lifting her up, a sense of her infinitesimal smallness. And yet at the same time, a sense that she had never mattered more than now. But it was just for a moment. And moments do not last unless you nurture them. And though she hesitated, a hardness began to roll back in. A knocking from the front door below broke any remaining spell. Leaning her head out of the window, she could see a blonde head below. She guessed who it was. Even though she willed each floorboard, her door and each stair not to announce her movements, she creaked her way across her bedroom, along the corridor and down the stairs. She unlocked the door and opened it. It was only as she stood there looking at Mathieu Weber that she wished with all her heart that she had changed out of the Christmas leggings and Hello Kitty t-shirt that her grandmother had given her last year before beginning her creaking descent. But it was too late. And though a smile played across the young man's lips, he was, even at his age, too gallant to comment. Hello, he said. I hope I did not wake you up. Uh, no, no, you didn't, she replied, trying, but not succeeding to not just look at her feet. I think the bells did. Ah, yes, that's the church. The service will be starting soon. I just wanted to invite you to come to our house tonight. I don't know if Monsieur Roulet explained to your parents, but tonight my parents host a little party. And, well, it's not just the adults who come. It is for us too. I will be there and so will my friends. And well, I think we would like you to come too. Thanks, but I don't know if my mum and dad will want to come. It sounded a bit, she hesitated. His English was good, but not so good as to be able to complete someone else's sentences. So she had to do it for herself. It sounded a bit, well, religious. Religious? Mathieu asked. I suppose it is, in a way. But to me, it's friends coming to our home. I would like you to come, and so would the others. So think about it. He looked at her and smiled. But I will leave you alone now. Hopefully we will see you tonight. Just follow the noise. Goodbye, Emily. Goodbye, Mathieu. Mathieu Weber. As Emily closed the door and turned around, she could see her mother standing at the top of the stairs. Who is that, Emily? She asked. Emily did not reply until she had climbed and creaked back up the stairs. The boy on the bus, she said as she brushed past her, went into her room and shut the door. The Harrisons spent the morning unpacking. Monsieur Roulet had left some food in the cupboard and the fridge. This was just as well as the three of them went for a walk around the village a little after lunch, hoping to find a grocery store. They found a very small one, but it was shut. Who shuts on Sundays? David asked disbelievingly. Their attempted shopping trip having ended in failure, the unpacking having been completed, and logs having been moved from the wood store out the back to inside, there seemed nothing else to do, neither in the chalet or the village. 
This is going to be a long evening, David thought to himself. He was already bored, bored enough to get out of the somewhat faded armchair he was sat in and creak his way over the living room floor to the bookshelves holding his aunt's small library. A bored man scanning titles on book spines is unlikely to be a work of accuracy at the best of times. But even so, titles such as Alpine Flowers and Their Medicinal Uses, The Complete Guide to Fermentation, and Mule Trails in the Haute Valley were not what one might call appealing to a man such as David Harrison. He returned to his armchair, creaking as he went. As soon as he sat back down, Emily, who had been watching him out of the corner of her eye as she lay knees to chin on the sofa, said, I want to go to the meeting Monsieur Roulet told us about last night. Her father looked at her. If she had been looking at him, she would have seen a look pass his face that was part amazement, part bewilderment and part shock. The meeting tonight, he said, looking at Janie as he did so. Yeah. Well, uh, we could. He and the boy on the bus said we just had to follow the voices. The voices. Right. Yes, we could just follow the voices, said her father. Well, that's the end of part two. Tune in next week for part three. And our piece of Advent music for today is Angels We Have Heard on High. God bless you all.